0: Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. Today is uh, week three of a a message series that we have entitled uh, Spirit and Life. And um, I heard this... um, I heard this statement made uh, years ago. Uh, the statement was this, that if we're, gonna, if we're gonna have a great life, then we have to have a great life spiritually. And I remember when I first heard that, I kind of wrestled with that statement a little bit until I came across what Jesus said in John six sixty three, which has been the, the theme seer, uh, a verse for our series it says this in John 6:63 6, that the spirit alone gives eternal life in other words the only way for us to experience heaven is through the cross jesus said that human effort that it accomplishes nothing it, it has no eternal significance tied to it and i think the reason why he said that was because human effort Uh, relies on human wisdom, right? And Jesus is like, neither your effort nor your wisdom is going to get you where you need to go in life. And then, then he makes this statement at the end of this verse that the very words that I've spoken to you, that those words are spirit and life. And in week one, we looked at this verse and we unpacked those two words, spirit and life. And and those words are powerful. The word spirit in the original language is, is the word that means, it, it, it basically means a, the breath of God. When you think of that word, I, I go all the way back mentally to Adam and Eve. And I think of Adam when, when, when he is dust and God breathes into him and comes alive. And it's that the word of God, the very words that have been spoken to us, that they are spirit in our life that they have the power, they carry the power with it, the ability to, to, to bring the dead areas of our life back to life again. Jesus says that these very words, that they're also life, and the word that he uses is the, the, in the original is the word Zoe, and it's, it's a God kind of life. It's the only kind of life that God can offer us. It's the kind of life that Jesus spoke of in John 10, 10, when he said that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so what's, what's Jesus trying to, to tell us through this verse? He's trying to help us see that, that if you and I are going to have a great life, that, that we've got to have a great life Spiritually. And church, the only way that we can have a great life spiritually is for us to elevate God's Word in our life, to give it priority in our life. And that's why in week one, uh, we talked about how to make the Word of God come alive in our life again. Last week, uh, Andrea talked about why the Bible can be trusted in our culture that's constantly throwing shade at it. This week and next week, I want to do something that is a little outside of the norm. I want to take a couple weeks, and I want to I help us understand the Bible a little bit better. These next today and, um, and next week's going to be a little bit different because it's going to be um, quite a bit more of a, of a teaching kind of angle to it. And then the last week, in week five, what I want to do is I wanna kinda tackle this question, so what? So yes, the Bible is spirit and life for us. Yes, it can be trusted. Yes, I can walk away these next two weeks and have a better understanding of the Bible, but at the end of the day, so what? And I wanna spend week five and I wanna talk a little bit, I wanna try to answer that question, so what? And I wanna try to address some of the tensions that we're seeing in America today with violence and racism and division and sexuality and things like that. And so I wanna encourage you to, um, to make sure you come and be a part of that. Well, let's prepare our hearts this morning for God's word and uh, as he helps us better understand um, uh, the Bible in our lives today. Would you say this out loud with me today? Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. amen. Have you ever heard this uh, statement before? Understanding is the key to loving. Understanding is the key to loving. Now I've discovered um, I discovered this truth in my own life when I married Andrea um, back in 1999. Um, My kids like to say that, back in the 19s. (laughs) Um, But this kind of came to life to me back then because I remember when when we got married, um, I loved her, but I didn't fully understand her. Uh, we've been married now for 23 years and I'm still kind of growing in that understanding and I'm sure that she can say the same thing um, about me. But, but in that growing of understanding of, of Andrea, um, I came to, to recognize um, a few phrases that I didn't quite understand um, when we first got married. Like, like, I don't know guys, can you relate like the phrase like five minutes Like, I'll be ready in five minutes. Like, it took me years to realize that that meant half an hour, right? Um, Or the one um, thanks versus thanks a lot. Like, Like, it took me a while to realize, like, when she says thanks, like, she's really appreciative of whatever I've done, that that's something that I can find, like, encouragement in. But when she says thanks a lot... It kind of carries a, a little bit different of a meaning um, or, or this one this one got me into trouble a few times um, um, go ahead <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I uh, the longer we were married the more I began to understand her a little bit the more I realized that when I heard the phrase go ahead I didn't have to listen to the words I had to read the body language right because because go ahead and with like eyebrows up and just kind of rosy cheeks meant, meant hey, you go, have a great time, you go right ahead. Um, but then like when I would ask like, can I go like, especially when the kids were a lot younger and I'd be like, hey babe, can I go play golf with the guys? Um, how long are you gonna be away? I, I don't know, five, six hours. Um, go ahead. <laughs> And uh, uh, it took me a little while to realize that um, that I got to rebody language for for some of that, or I'll end up regretting it. And and I'm confident Andrea's got got her list about me too. But but all this to say that that I loved Andrea when we got married, but I love her even more now. And the reason why is because I understand her more now. Church, if understanding is the key to loving, then wouldn't it also be true that the more that we understand God's Word, that the more we will begin to love God's Word? And so this morning, I want to, I want to jump into... Um, what I'm calling part one of understanding the Bible. And, and I, I wanna kind of this week, I wanna in honor of, of our graduates, which we're gonna celebrate them next Sunday. So if you haven't, if you've got a graduate in the home or you're a graduate or maybe your your kid graduated, kindergarten or something, make sure you uh, register for that. We're gonna do that next week. But But in light of... Of, of graduation, high school graduation um, that happened this weekend, which our oldest graduated and man, was that an emotional roller coaster. Um, but in light of that, I want us to go back in time to middle school English. I want us to go back to middle school English and I want us to to look at something that teachers um, taught us back then that I think will help us understand the Bible a little bit better. How many of you remember diagramming sentences? Yeah, Yeah, like I've only see like four of you, like did none of you guys take English? diagramming sentences. It looked kind of like this. We got a little diagram up here. And um, you remember you had to like, you had to have like a ruler and, and your pencil and you had to diagram and this was the subject and this was the verb and this was the, the object and you had other areas of the, the sentence like, uh, like, like adjectives and prepositions and all this stuff. And, and so teachers, what they would do in English is they would have us diagram these sentences so that we could better understand how each part of the sentence worked together. Well, today I want us to look at three distinct parts um, of a sentence, but I want us to look at it through the lens of understanding God's word. And the reason why is because there is this, this central theme that runs from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And if we can kind of see it, If we could recognize this theme, then what happens is, is our understanding of what we're reading in the Bible becomes a little bit better. And so I want us to look at these three parts today. The subject, okay? The subject is the person or the thing that is doing. I want us to look at the object, which is the person or the thing having something done to it, right, or for them. And then I want us to look at the verb, which is what the subject is actually doing. All right, so let's take a look at those three real quick. Let's break them down. So the subject, which is the person or the thing doing. Now, now most of us would say that the subject of the entire Bible is, is us. That the entire Bible is about God like reaching us But that's not necessarily the case. You see, the subject of the Bible is Jesus. And we see this in John chapter five, verse 39. It says that you search the scriptures because you think that that they're gonna give you eternal life. But the scriptures, what do they do? They point to Jesus. Now, think about this for a second that at this time, Jesus um, is saying this that there is no New Testament, that all there is is the Old Testament. And what Jesus is trying to help them see was that they can carry the scriptures around all they want. They could read the scriptures. They could memorize the scriptures. They can hear all the scriptures uh, preached in the synagogues. And because of all of this, they can think that they have eternal life. But Jesus is like, no, like it's not the scriptures themselves or how many verses that you have memorized that's going to save you. It's me. And he says, and these scriptures, well, they they point to me. And here's what I've learned about studying the word of God and allowing it to kind of come alive in my life is that that if it, when it comes to understanding this, that if my perspective will change and instead of just trying to read a few verses, instead of just trying to memorize a few things and I will go hunting for Jesus in this, it'll change my life. You see, the second part of the verse that that we've got to, or the words that we've got to look at is the object. And, and so the object is the person or the thing that's having something done to it, right, or for them. And so the object of the Bible is us. And I love this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse three through four. Look at it, it says, by his divine power that God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. That's a pretty powerful statement. That God has given us everything that we need. But I want you to catch this next part. That we have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of this marvelous, glorious, or glory and excellence. I want to stop here for a second and I I want to explain something in this. The way that I interpret this is that God has given us everything that we need. So it's kind of like um, it's kind of like there's this this big old container of candy, right? And so He's given us everything that we need. Well, as we are coming to know Him, and in that original language, it's this this idea of progression. It's not like all of a sudden. All of a sudden, all of the candy is dumped on us and it's ours, but is this progression of as we come to know Him, we have this access of receiving everything that He's given to us. And I think that's part of the challenge that we have in, the, in our walk with God is that we don't, we aren't in this process of coming to know Him. Like we've... We've known him through salvation, we've given our life um, to him. But if you look at all the stats and and statistics and all that stuff about um, uh, followers of Christ in America, this is the one, this is the biggest thing that they don't really have a part of of their life, right? It's It's not a habit in our lives. And so what that means is, is that we end up plateauing and our knowing Jesus which means we start losing access to the things that he has given us to live the godly life that he's designed for us to live. And what I love about this is that we see that he's not held something back from us, like he's given us everything that we need for godly life, but but the secret to experiencing that, the secret to us having that in our life is coming to know him more and more. Like the more that we get into our word, the more that we allow this to, to transform us rather than us trying to transform this, right? The more that we allow this to begin to carve off some areas of our life that are not like him, the more that it opens us up to all of the promises and that everything that God has for us. And so we see in verse four, it says that in because of his Glory and his excellence, that he's given us great and precious promises, that these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption that's caused by human desires, that it's through these promises that, look at this, that we are able to share in his divine nature. Like, what does that mean? What does it mean for us to share in his divine nature? I don't think he's saying that you and I are going to become a God. He's, he's saying that through these promises and the work that he's done in our lives that you and I that when we allow this to be the mirror of our life, when we allow this to transform the way that we think, the way that we act, the things that we do in life, that all of a sudden our character becomes more like God's character. In essence, he's saying that, that, that as this is lived out in our life every day, that it becomes our ticket, our tool of avoiding sin, of avoiding the, the, the heartache that comes along with sin and experiencing that Zoe kind of life, that, that kind of life that only God can offer. And so if Jesus is the subject and we're the object, it makes you think a little bit, what is the verb? What is the verb of the Bible. I think most of us would say that love is the verb. I feel like I've heard that song somewhere before in the past. (laughs) And honestly, it'd be a great guess, but I think it'd be the wrong guess. Because love is the motivation behind the verb. But I don't think it's the verb. You see, to find the verb in the Bible, to find what the subject Jesus is doing, then we have to go to the most famous verse in all the Bible, John 3.16. It says there that for this is how God loved the world that he, that he gave his one and his only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I think we see something in that verse that that God didn't just, he didn't just feel love, but he did something about that feeling. He gave love. You see, I think what we see in this verse is that the verb of the Bible is, is give. And why is this important to know in understanding the Bible better? I think it's because it defines or it frames the way that you and I are supposed to live our lives. You see, the Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians 5.1. He said, imitate God, therefore, in everything that you do. It doesn't just say what you do on Sundays right? It doesn't just say when people around and look in, it says in everything that you do, because you are his dear children. You see, I think what Paul is trying to tell us here and what I, I kind of see, like I, I remember being taught that whenever you see the word therefore, you always think this question, what is it there for? Right? And in this case, Paul is is linking this statement of imitate God in everything that you do. He's linking it to another verse that's found in a chapter earlier where he begins to say, listen, you are called by God. And he pleads with them in Ephesians 4, 1. He pleads with them, I beg you, lead a life that is worthy of that calling, And so Paul's like, well, how do you live a life that's worthy of the calling? Well, you live it by imitating God. Now this word imitate, I think, has a fascinating meaning to it. This word imitate in the original language, right, is where we get our word mimic and mime. Now, you've probably seen a mime before, right? They're the ones that kind of get dressed up and they, they go and they stand in front of an individual and they kind of they mimic all the different moves that that individual makes. Have you ever seen them like in New York City in the parks or whatever? And they just come, they jump right up next to you and they just start walking the way that you walk, right? And then they'll hop to another person and they'll kind of do whatever they're doing. And they just, they work their way through the park just imitating what people are doing. They don't use any words. They just position themselves in front of a person. They watch them and then they do what they do. And so Paul is like, listen, you have A call of God on your life and the only way that you can live a life that's worthy of that call is by doing what God does the only way that you can do what God does is to position yourself in front of him and watch and then do what he does what did he do he gave. And so because he gave, what do we do? See if you're catching on. We give. Because he gave, we give. I mean think about that for a moment. Like maybe maybe our salvation experience, maybe the forgiveness that you and I have received for our sins, maybe, just maybe, in the kingdom of God, that was never intended for us to just receive. Like maybe if we're going to imitate God and maybe if the, the verb of the whole Bible is gave, that maybe it's God's heart that because He gave His Son, And Jesus gave his life that you and I give ours. Think of it this way, maybe this, when we get into his word and we begin to read it, like how many times do we look for this for the promises for our life? And maybe, just maybe, The process of us standing in front of his word and imitating what is in here is less about us getting what we want and it's more about us giving our life to make an impact and a difference in the lives of others. Church, Jesus didn't pay the ultimate price on the cross to to gather as many believers as he could he paid the ultimate price on the cross to deploy as many followers as he could. The mark of Christianity has never been about believing because James chapter 2 says that even the demons believe. The mark of Christianity has always been to follow. Why? Because he gave everything so that you and I, we give everything Church, I want you to hear my heart. The Transformation Church doesn't exist to make people feel good, and I hope it does, but that's not why we're here. We don't exist to 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 lull people to spiritual sleep with good music and cute sermons. We don't exist to to be some religious country club where only people who look like us and act like this can can walk through these doors and be welcome. Like we don't exist for people to just sit back and to watch while a handful of other people work their rear ends off. We don't exist to raise up a church full of consumers who never give anything. Why? Because that kind of church can't be further from God's heart. Because God gave everything and Jesus gave everything and because of that, you and I should give everything. Why do we give of our of our time, why do we make gathering together as followers of Christ a priority on our calendar? Because Jesus gave, so we give. Why do we give of our, of our talents and we serve at church and we do outreaches and we lead small groups? Well, Jesus gave, so we give. Why do we choose to live generously, to live a life with an open hand rather than a closed fist? Because Jesus gave. So you and I give. Church, we are living in the last of the last days. And there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people all around us that are on their way to hell unless you and I do something about it. And reading our Bible and just declaring the promises over our life, and there's nothing wrong with that, but not allowing this to transform us And us never tapping into the central theme of the Bible that God gave, Jesus gave, so we give. And allowing this as we imitate it in our life, allowing it to transform us from a life of selfishness to a life of generosity. And I'm not, this is not a money talk. This is a heart talk. This is about what is our perspective of living? Like, are we just satisfied with believing some things in this, but living the rest of our life for ourselves? Or do we recognize that God gave the ultimate gift, that Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice, not so that we could live a life all for ourselves, but that we would follow Him? and that we would allow his life to transform us so that we could become more and more like him, giving our life away to make a difference in the lives of others. 1 John 3.16 says we know what real love is, Because Jesus gave up his life for us. What do we do with that? We also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. John 3.16 tells us that that God gave. 1 John 3.16 tells us that we should give. How do we better understand the Bible? How do we allow it to come alive in our life? We tap into the central theme that God gave. And he's called us to live a life that gives. Would you stand with me? today what does all this have to do with understanding the Bible well first John 2 6 says that those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did the more that we understand the Bible The more that we spend time in it, the more we recognize God's heart and we choose to step in alignment with it. Because he gave, we choose to give. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at transformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.